Oh no, Weezer's good. They're catchy I went to music. See Weezer with Mike. We yeah, that was a great concert. Great yeah. memories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. opened for them? It was Weezer. There was another bit. Pixies. Uh, the Pixies. Pixies. Yeah. Pixies. Yeah. Yes. Weezer and Pixies. Yeah. yeah. It's quite it the lineup. Good. Yeah. I feel bad about saying Coldplay. For me, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of lame. But I get it. I get it. People like that kind of. You heard it here, folks. Michael Andre quote: "People like lame." <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna go up on the. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well. It's going to be the promo for the episode. I'll be singing Coldplay at work later today. Yeah, yeah. Viva la vida, baby. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. So the question is a very, not a very simple one, but it's a very direct one. As a teacher, as a person, as a, as a husband, partner, what have you, is it natural to doubt your capabilities or is self-doubt a sign of weakness? Let's let's do this one. So I think we're all familiar with the concept, the famous question of if you could choose a couple of people to have dinner with, alive or dead, blah blah blah, right? But I'm gonna flip that one around. Okay, I want you to imagine that someone was asked that question, who they could have dinner with, and they chose you. You are their answer. One, why do you think they chose you? And two, what would you choose to share with that person at that dinner? No, because I think one of the questions we've actually talked about in, in previous iterations of this end of year type podcast, which is like, you know, what is a habit you, you should start or like to start? I think since we're talking a little bit more concretely um, today, um, what is one achievement that you would like to achieve before you die? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teacher Talking Time podcast brought to you by Learn Your English. To those of you who are new listening to this podcast for the first time, the main aim of our podcast is to really deconstruct language teaching to bridge the gap between research and personal practice. Each episode is dedicated to our vision of education, continuous growth that is accessible, affordable, and appropriate to your context. Andrew. We also have a membership, don't we? We absolutely do. Our Learn Your English Teacher Development Membership, where you can join a community of curious teachers and educators who want to achieve more without having to plan and teach more. Leo, you like to say teach more mindfully, right? That's right. And that's what we try to do with our membership. We try to provide content, mentoring, courses, and more importantly, a community, a community of practice to help teachers plan less so they can actually have time to develop more. And what we focus on, Andrew, mindful and meaningful teaching, better thinking, continuous learning, developing a healthy mind, purposeful creativity, mental tools for thought, and humanistic education. Andrew, if somebody wants to become a member, 
what do they have to do? Oh, so simple. Just go to courses.learnyourenglish.net and become a member right there. You'll have access to all of our materials, not only for this month, but for all the months that you missed in the past. If you want more information, check out learnyourenglish.net slash memberships. So guys, when a little blast from the past here to start us off on the show. When you were when you were younger, did you have you ever heard of the the '90s band Stained? Did you ever listen to them? Oh yeah, it, it rings a bell. Rings a bell, totally. Uh, I is one of the my guilty pleasures, and I they weren't like a great band. Certainly, still not a great band, but one of the ones that I really like. And they have this song that I always used to sing in the shower, called "It's Been a While." Are you familiar with that song? It's no. been a while. Yeah, I know that song. I know that There we go. (laughs) Don't finish that because we'll get copyrighted. But if you want to listen to it, Spotify, Apple, wherever you want to listen to the Stain songs. But I'll quote that song because it's been a while since the three of us have recorded a podcast together. It's nice to see us all in the studio again. It's not likely that future rock historians would actually look back and remember this band. Is that correct? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe if they're looking at the the roots of punk pop or actually no they were a punk pop they were a little bit uh heftier grittier than mm. some 41 they're definitely heftier they were definitely of of their era of their time uh, a certain sound, a certain type yeah. of song yeah a little bit more hardcore a little bit very niche uh all their songs kind of sound very similar <laughs> um not quite the infamy of creed in terms of you know worst band that's that's famous but that song, it's been a while. I will always remember. And it's nice to see your beautiful faces back together again for this very special mm-hmm. episode of Teacher Talking Time. Leo has his digital hand raised. <laughs> you have a question or a comment, Leo? I was just going to say that <laughs> the worst, the band that actually gets the title of worst band in the world is actually Nickelback. Most hated oh. band in the world, yeah. They get a lot of vitriol. For sure. Yeah, they get a lot. But then people say, you know, if you feel that way, see the live. Right? Apparently they're a really good live band. Yeah. I've never been. BC Zone, I think, actually. You haven't seen, no one's seen Nickelback live? No, no. Just on I YouTube. Absolutely Thank you, YouTube. no Thank desire you, to see them. Well, we're not here to talk exclusively about 90s bands. Although Nickelback, for all their vitriol that they receive, actually is very famous. I'm sure they do very well for themselves. Lots of money coming in. I'm not. They're not... Uh, Sisters of the Poor, I'm sure. So congratulations to them. Uh, We are here today for a very special episode of the Teacher Talking Time podcast. The three of us back together in studio, and we thought it would be a nice idea as we get closer to the end of 2021, which is unfathomable for me to think about. Another year is almost over. um, To do something that we do on Instagram sometimes, which is an Ask Me Anything episode. And what we hope to get out of this is to learn more about us as people outside of the educational space, outside of our teaching lives. I'm sure, I mean, the three of us know each other pretty well, but we don't know each other perfectly. I'm sure we're going to learn some things. And as you listen, uh, I'm sure you'll learn quite a bit about us. I hope that's the intention. (laughs) Maybe we'll learn nothing. Depends on what questions we have. Each of us has prepared a series of questions for the others, and uh, hopefully it'll stimulate a little bit of conversation. I don't have any Nickelback questions on my list. However, uh, if that's the avenue we go down, I'm I'm more than prepared. <laughs> we'll see what comes up. Yeah. Well, let's not burn it to the ground. Uh, yeah. No, it's not. That's only one of them. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's move on. 
Do you guys have a question? I, I can kick things off. Yeah, I have one. Let's do it. And this is a question that I think a lot of listeners would enjoy listening to us talking about this because I, 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 I truly believe that a lot of teachers actually, people in general, struggle with, with understanding or coming up with an answer to this question. So um, I'm going to preface by saying that I would love if you guys could actually be 100% vulnerable when answering oh, oh this no, question. I'm already nervous. So the question <laughs> So the question is a very not a very simple one, but it's a very direct one. As a teacher, as a person, as a as a husband, partner, what have you, is it natural to doubt your capabilities or is self-doubt a sign of weakness? Mm. So is is it natural to doubt your capabilities or is self-doubt a sign of weakness? That's the question. Wow. Oh, very interesting. No. Uh, if you know, I'll, I'll take that one first. No, it's definitely, I would say self-doubt is a strength, not a weakness. I think that's that means you're realistic. And is it normal? Of course. Uh, I can only speak for myself, of course. But uh, self-doubt I had from the first day of teaching, the first day I've done anything. And I can say that it's still very present now. So, I mean... I think for me, self-doubt just means uncertainty. Self-doubt means that you've kind of checked your ego a little bit. Self-doubt means that you know that you need to learn some more. It doesn't mean that you can't be confident in where you are or that, you know, in what you do. Um, but for me, self-doubt means that there are things that you're aware that there are holes in in your, your practice or in your life or in your knowledge, or, you know, gaps, whatever word you want to use, and that you... Uh, you know, taking the step to fill those gaps is another step, but being aware that they exist is, for me, the first step in knowing that. And if, again, only speaking for me, but if I didn't have any self-doubt, I think that doesn't mean that I don't have those gaps. That just means that I I don't refuse to acknowledge their existence. Um, and then the second part, for sure, self-doubt is not a weakness, but self-doubt is a strength. I think self-doubt can perpetuate itself into developing perceived weaknesses, Though no, I think at a very foundational level, it's it's a, it turned into a strength for sure, Mike. Yeah, likewise, I, I think it's um, you know having a sense of humility involves um, you know being aware of of some of the communities where you know you need to develop, right? And I think it's not really a bad thing in the sense that you know as you said, Andrew, once we're aware of them, then we can actually take strides to maybe overcome some of those. Um, doubts and to kind of stop our disbelief and our abilities and capabilities. I think though where it becomes a weakness is where we become obsessed with those kind of weak um, vulnerabilities that we might have and it becomes kind of paralyzing, right? Like we um, exclude ourselves from certain situations, we don't take certain risks, we stop developing in certain areas because we feel from the get-go that we're not good enough or capable enough to do it. So um, I think like that's where it becomes mm -hmm. a greater weakness. But I think having that reflective ability to, to, know, the, to know the drawbacks or, or maybe points that you need to improve on is, is quite important, I think, for setting new targets for growth and, and, and whatnot. I was, I was actually, as you guys were both speaking, I was just thinking about that. Because I have recently dealt dealt with um, a little bit of self doubt in this um, new position that I have just started with uh, with this um, ed tech company, 
And I was working with a bunch of techies and I felt really incapable of doing the things that I thought mm-hmm. I was required to do. But then I realized that I'm not there to uh, code. I'm not there to, to do these things. But um, what I realized, and I don't know if this is the same thing for you guys, but being very, going back to what Mike said, being very mindful of your own thinking helps you identify these self-doubt thoughts or patterns, if you, if you wish. And I find that when you doubt yourself, when you experience that kind of uncertainty, it's mostly around things that you can't really control. Yeah. And I think Leo, when, when I think of self-doubt, a lot of it has to do with um, our own lack of desire to want to Mm. leave our comfort zone. Right. And I think over overcoming self-doubt is really about being open to, to leaving your comfort zone, like you did with this new position. Mm-hmm. Um, again, knowing full well what you can, what you have control over in that new mm-hmm. situation. But at some point, um, self-doubt, the and the kind of the vaccine for self-doubt might actually be a willingness to leave one's comfort zone. Yeah, um, because it's often, you know, we learn by doing right. We learn through struggle um, and these opportunities to to find new ways of doing things or 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 maybe just knowing that, hey, you know what? I thought I couldn't do this, but but now now that I've put myself in this position, I can. Right. I can. Yeah. I know I can do this. I can cope. It doesn't mean self-doubt you know, is easy. I think the question was, is it natural or is it normal? And my answer is yes, but just because something's natural yeah. and normal doesn't make it easy or, or something that's, that's mm-hmm. easy to overcome or deal with. But I think, you know, whenever I, you know, constantly question myself and have the feelings of self-doubt, it, it's helpful for me to think about what the cause of those feelings are. Um, what is it that is causing that doubt? Is there something that I can do about it? Is it something, this is something that I cannot do? Is it in my control? Is it outside of my control? More often than not, my self-doubt um, comes from a lack of engagement or knowing that other people are in the same situation or a lack of just talking it out with someone who's in the same situation or a friend or, or whoever it might be. Um, so I think for me, challenging or um, going head on with my self-doubt is really helpful when I'm just when I stop doing it self-doubt when we do it as a group group doubt or or talking with groups or talking with people Mm. you guys other people whether it's professionally or personally um i think a lot of self-doubt comes from feelings of isolation that may or may not in reality be true but when we find other people that are going Mm. through similar things to us i know for me that's always really helpful Mm -hmm. yeah and certainly i mean on a professional level i think certainly with what we do with our community of professional development or continuous professional development community is we, we kind of provide those opportunities, Andrew. And mm-hmm. I think that on a professional level, I, I think that this community atmosphere and being able to vocalize and like you said, find people who are going through similar um, challenges or have uh, expressed similar concerns or self-doubt is quite, quite important for my own development. As, as mm-hmm. well. And it's interesting that you said that because I was talking to a teacher who is a member of our community. And she said she dealt with a lot of self-doubt when she joined the community because she realized she didn't know anything. And she eventually started learning a lot. And 
And eventually she got to a point where she was able to be very honest, to be very real with herself and ask herself this really important question. How many times when I doubted myself or, or even feared something would happen, did that negative thing come into reality after I still took action? And the answer for her is, and probably for all of us, anyone who is listening, is that not very often right. at all. Right. So, so self-doubt most of the time is just these monsters in your head that, that you know, you, your mind may use to keep you, going back to what Mike said, from making the changes that you need to make to keep you within that very, you know, we call it the comfort zone. But if you look to your past experiences and you see how well things have gone many times, despite all those self-doubts, then it became easier to let go of them or to even ignore them or to even reduce fear of failure or to focus on the more likely positive outcome and to take action. I think Mike dealt with that when he was probably starting his PhD. And Andrew, when you left um, that university that you were working uh, for and, and mm -hmm. when I was working for that, like I, I think we've all felt, I, I remember feeling like, oh man, I'm leaving this job and it pays really well. And now we're kind of like going mm -hmm. into this, world that we don't even know what's going to be out there you know winston churchill yeah. once said that and i have this pinned up because i mean it applies to lots of the, exactly what you're saying here leo that he said the anticipation of death is worse than death itself and that's been true in my life the anticipation or the ideas or fears that we can concoct in our own mind are usually worse than whatever actually happens in reality Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the community provides. It provides an opportunity, as Mike was saying, for people to actually talk to someone about it. Because I find that when you keep your thoughts on the inside, you eventually distort them, you exaggerate them. <laughs> and they are, and they are more often than not, not in line with reality or even with oh my reasonable gosh. expectations. We only have 45 so, minutes. This is, I could talk forever about this. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This, is, this could question. get heavy. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just I would share a quick, very short story. I used to be in a long-distance mm -hmm. relationship, and that's exactly what I did. I don't know if she did the same thing, but being away, I concocted this version of her in my mind that wasn't reality it wasn't real so when we would get together i would have this feeling of like not disappointment but just like a you know different person but it had nothing to do with her it was i had concocted this version in my mind of something that right. that wasn't real or like kind of what i wanted but not what was actually actually existed so the mind is a powerful thing um but self-doubt goes the other way too right as you know in, in terms of our our community i think some people believe that we don't have self-doubt and that we are these people i mean i have self-doubt all the time. I know you guys guys too as well. So um, it is a community of, of vulnerability and, and being open. And just because you've done something for a long time, and even if you're good at something, I know we all experience self-doubt at the same time. So I have no, no point to that. That's just <laughs> wanted to say that. Which Thanks begs the question, and I think I wanted to ask you, this is maybe a follow-up question to the original question. Why mm -hmm. is it so hard for, for teachers to find another teacher and talk to them about their self-doubts? Why is it so hard for teachers to be vulnerable with each other? What do you guys think? I'm, I'm curious about that one. Because I think when we, when we worked together, I think we were able to be very vulnerable with each other. And, um, and I think that's why we got along so well. 
And we decided that mm-hmm. when we, we, we started learning English and we wanted to create a community where, where vulnerability, um, where, where a growth mindset, a lifelong learning mindset, these things would be the norm. But we still encounter or we still deal with people who, who are still very resistant to, to these ideas. Why do you think that's the case? Yeah, I, I wonder if it's, it's just tied to the, the nature of, of how people teach. So I would also add there, Leo, that you and Andrew and I teach in a, in a way that might not seem conventional to say the, the, the average teacher, or maybe a, a teacher that's just starting off their career where they're um, kind of the, the main uh, person in the classroom or, or um, they see themselves or their role anyways as a, as, a, as a person to deliver content, deliver information. Whereas I think, you know, the three of us often approach teaching as, a, as really an act of co-discovery with the students, right? So we're learning as we go along with the students. So our egos are kind of checked at the door, right? We're we're, we're not saying that this is what you need to know. We're, we're saying, oh, well, this is what we're looking at. Um, what do you want to know? Um, what can I help you discover along this way, right, along this journey? And I think when you encounter staff rooms or, or um, teachers that are less likely or less, yeah, I guess, less willing to kind of share or, or be vulnerable, I, I think that, I don't know this for sure, but I think it might also be that, that they perhaps conform to this older view of the teacher being the king of the classroom or queen of the classroom where um, my way is the right way, or I'm the one with all the knowledge and ideas. And the I sage on the stage, right? The sage on the stage. And, and I, I don't need to... Um, I don't need to kind of change. This is the way we're going to do it because this is the class that I'm running. And, and, and I think as a result, um, teachers themselves in staff rooms um, are, might have a tendency to miss out on opportunities to say, oh, how, how are you doing it? Is, it? is it working for you differently? And, and maybe I can, I can change the way I'm doing it. Or... Um, this is the way I'm doing it, but I'd be open to, to doing it differently. And I, I just think that it, it might just be that there's a certain maturity that comes along with being a good coworker. And that maturity often involves a, 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 you know, a sense of humility and a, a, an appreciation for other people's points of view and, 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 and how those could be adapted and adopted by, by others. But. So I, I kind of I kind of yeah. think that the industry itself, where you're a teacher, you're the deliverer of the content, you're the expert, you're the curator, um, kind of can can kind of put teachers in a position where they're kind of scared to say that they don't know how to do something um, because they themselves see themselves as having all the answers and not not needing to learn because. As a teacher, they should know everything that that's supposed to be out there. Whereas, if they have a mindset of kind of just just not a mindset of inquiry and discovery, then they're always going to keep asking questions of how they can improve themselves and do things differently, and so on. So, I wonder if just it's the way that people are socialized in the profession, and maybe the three of us were mm-hmm. socialized in a great way by great individuals who helped us see the value of of um, 
co-constructing knowledge rather than kind of taking it and delivering it. Well said. I think that last one is important where, you know, not all teachers are created equal and teachers are people first and have different interests. And just because someone's teaching in the same program as you or a same course or same type of thing doesn't mean they're going to have the same outside interests or mindset or, or whatever. So I think finding people who, just in life, finding people who align with you in terms of your direction where you want to go, you know, minute points of interest is, is kind of, it can be difficult. So, um, you know, even people teaching in, in in a physical school in the same program may have, you know, one person may be interested in, in a TBLT approach, other people might be interested in something else, uh, learning about this, learning about that. So it just can be challenging to find a group of people um, who one are willing to to learn something, and and that something to learn is is similar to to what you are. So yeah, agree completely with that, Mike. Um, should I go ahead with the next question? Okay, Please. I have to choose from my list here. Um, let's let's do this one. So I think we're all familiar with the concept, the famous question of if you could choose a couple of people to have dinner with, alive or dead, blah blah blah, right? But I'm gonna flip that one around. Okay. I want you to imagine that someone was asked that question, who they could have dinner with, and they chose you. You are their answer. What would you, one, why do you think they chose you? And two, what would you choose to share with that person at that dinner? That's a tough question. Wow, that's a tough question. Yeah. Very tough <laughs> questions today, huh? Wow. Neil, you go yeah. first on this one. <laughs> oh man, I have no idea. Um, okay, I'll, I'll try. I'll try my best here. Um, so why why do I think they would they they chose mm-hmm. me? Very good question. I think I think it's a natural tendency in life. Just like we choose our friends, we also choose the people that we want to be influenced by. Um, and as we get older and more mature. I think we kind of start a natural process of eliminating people that do not align with our values. And the way I see it, a person would choose me for very weird reasons. (laughs) They're probably going to say, I chose Leo because he likes suffering. It's almost like he likes carrying his own cross, um, his own crucifix. Um, That's kind of it. Like I like, I think they would choose me because they would say, you know what? I really like hanging out with Leo because he just likes to put himself in, in very uncomfortable situations in situations where he's just going to have to naturally struggle and not have any help. And Mike said this to me once and I never forgot it. He's like, Oh, you're self self-made man. And I, and I kind of thought about it and I was like, to a certain extent I am, but I'm also a product of my environment. I'm also a product of the people that I've surrounded myself with, of my own mentors. And unfortunately, most of my mentors are dead. But I still ask myself, what would, you know, what would Epictetus do? What would Marcus Aurelius do? What would Socrates do? What would Mike do? What would Andrew do? You know? Um, so I think that's the first part, um, uh, the answer to the first part of the question. The second part, what would I share with them? I think I would share what I'm sharing with you guys here today. I would share a lot of the struggles that I have gone through. I would share moments where I felt incapable, um, breaking points where I felt like I was just not going to make it. 
where I had negative thoughts, where I had self-doubt, where I experienced all these negative, um, this negative energy that we kind of all sometimes, um, you know, internalize. And eventually I would talk about how I was able to use this dark, I call it, I like to call it the dark, the dark, the darkness inside of all of us, because we all have this dark side. I would say that you, you, you cannot neglect, you cannot reject your, your darkness. You have to find ways to really incorporate that darkness into your personality, because otherwise it's going to come out in ways that you are not expecting and you're going to be basically self-sabotaging yourself in many, many different ways. So, so that's what I, that's what I would oh, share, I guess, or whatever else I they like asked. It. I'll make a dinner <laughs> reservation. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Steak, steak, steak. I mean, I would ask, yeah. I would, I would have dinner with Leo just any day of the week for just advice, right? Just insight. Cause Leo, you're so good at just, you know, taking multiple perspectives and kind of hashing them out and then, arriving at that place you. where you where you feel you you have to like steak though to have dinner with Leo. You. you can't if you don't like steak yeah. you gotta you got like yeah yeah <laughs> limited limited options there folks that's it yeah. that's it yeah. no vegetarian restaurants please mike what about you oh man i don't know mine's not as deep mine's not as deep but i um you know i'm a classic gemini right so i'm gonna give two reasons okay? what does that so mean why? Classic gemini. i don't know uh, you know uh, the astrology right the twins right i don't I, i'll be honest i don't know what any of these things mean like i don't know anything about so please yeah maybe this is part of it okay i'm learning already maybe yeah. this is part of it yeah yeah <laughs> That's the uh, that's the entree, okay. Andrew. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of astrology there. No, no. I um, gosh, I don't know. Why do people like ha- hanging out with me? I think one reason is um, they might meet me to uh, to just talk and have a laugh. And I think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Case in point, right. No, there's never because, a boring moment with you, my friend. Trust me. There's well, never a boring moment with you. Well, right. This is this is the side the one side of the coin, right? So one side of the coin, I think a lot of people kind of gravitate towards me if they want a good laugh, if they just want to just stop thinking about maybe stop thinking about the dark side, right? Start think stop thinking a little bit about what's getting them down and, and have a little change of subject, change of pace. And I uh, I I I guess I like to provide that every once in a while. Having said that, I think the other side of the coin is, and again, this might make Leo laugh a little bit, I'm not one for pulling punches. So I think if people really want honest feedback and honest answers, <laughs> um, I'm always willing to give it to them <laughs> without kind of sugarcoating it or um, beating around the bush. So, and I don't think it's in a, in a negative way. I just think that some people just sometimes need to hear an answer. And I, mm-hmm. I think that... Um, uh, yeah, like it's it's great to to be light and fluffy and and to to have you know good times and everything. But but at the same time, we all, as Leo pointed out, as individuals, we need to make real decisions and 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 life altering decisions. And I think sometimes you just need people to to give you or tell you exactly how they feel about the information you've presented. And um, I feel hmm. with me, I think individuals always kind of know where I stand on issues, and I. I, I don't, I don't hold back, and I don't mean in an, in an aggressive way, but I, I think I'm very direct and and mm-hmm. honest when I need to be. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> now, what will we talk about? Yeah, what will we talk about? I think similar to Leo. I think I would like to think that anyone's going who's going to um, 
have uh, dinner with me would would be interested in a little bit about my own life lessons and what I've learned and and how I've navigated kind of those things, like how to balance the serious with the comical. Because mm-hmm. I think that's a, you know, in, in this day and age of Twitterverse and everything, social media, nobody has a sense of humor anymore. At the same time, there are really important pressing issues that we need to talk about. And I think I've navigated a, a fair few different teaching environments and classroom contexts and life situations while keeping a real positive, happy smile on my face most of the time. <laughs> but, but I think, you know, that that's a skill, right? That it takes, it's not something that comes natural to a lot of people. And I think that would be something we could talk about, you know, how to, how to balance, make that, you know, sweet and sour combination mm. perfect so that it's, you're able to kind of get on with the beautiful act of living. Right. Love it. Love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Andrew? Oof. It was my question. Do I have to? <laughs> um, well, first of all, we wouldn't go for dinner. We'd go for breakfast because I'm a morning person and I'm not a night owl. So I always wondered when this in this scenario, who would you have dinner with? Which person alive or dead? Why is it dinner? Why can't we have lunch? Maybe hearing from you guys, maybe we have lunch with Leo, have the serious talk, have a lighter dinner with Mike, have a laugh. Uh, maybe mine would be breakfast. Go for breakfast with mm. breakfast with me. Get your day started. Have some coffee and just. Yeah. I think, I it really is. I ask this question because it's a hard one. And I think it's it's really difficult to think of why what you think you're good at. Why people would choose you for something. What you would share with them. I don't know that I would share anything. I think, a lot of people going back to this kind of ties into your question, Leo. The answers we gave to your question, where I think a lot of people, especially these days, with, you know work-life kind of influx a lot of in our industry there's a lot of precarity there's a, i think a lot of people have ideas of what they want to do with their life i think myself included self-doubt creeps in and a lot of times we don't for a wide mm-hmm. variety of reasons say yes to taking that step and taking that plunge and doing something so i like to think that breakfast with me would be as a as a sounding board for people to kind of communicate what they actually want to do and just having a space to to say that out loud, to say that to somebody else and and just get encouragement. And, and just I would just ask them, well, why haven't you done that? What's stopping you? Like a judgment-free zone type of thing. Yeah, well, of course. But even just, I mean, I know the three of us individually as a company, but also like individually have ideas that we want to do and lots of them we're not doing. And that's just to be human because that's just what it is. Um, but... It, you know, these days there's a lot of, you know, the pandemic has, has had lots of economical effects on the world, but that also just means there's so many opportunities that are sitting there waiting for lots of people. And I don't think people don't have ideas. I think people have self-doubt about the ideas that they have. And sometimes just talking about them helps and doesn't mean that you're going to start it right away, but it can put you down a path of starting that idea or starting that goal or starting the process of doing that 1% every day to do the thing that you actually want to do that you've been saying for a long time, I'll do that tomorrow. But we all know that tomorrow never actually arrives. Today is the only day that, that we can live in, right? So I think, I think I would just listen to people and ask them questions about why they haven't started the thing that they're telling me that they really want to start. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know, quality professional development is such an important part of the teaching industry, but it's surprisingly hard to come by. 
That's why I was so pleased to come across Learn Your English, a company providing online teacher education courses with a fresh perspective. My name is Erin, and I'm an English language teacher. After a decade in the classroom, I found myself teaching the same things in the same way. My learning seemed to have plateaued. I wanted to take charge of my learning, and I really like how the online Learn Your English courses don't prescribe anything. They motivate me to reflect on my teaching and propose tactics and ideas I hadn't considered. If you're a language teacher wanting to learn inside your busy schedule, I highly recommend their online courses on Thinkific. Head on over to lyenetwork.thinkific.com. That's lyenetwork.thinkific.com. Take control of your education. You won't regret it. Hi everyone, my name is Marek Kiczkowiak and I'm from Poland. You're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. Cześć, nazywam się Marek Kiczkowiak i jestem z Polski. Słuchacie właśnie Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. I think, you know, that's a, a really important skill in here, right? There's always a tendency to talk as I am right now. But I think, you know, we've talked about this acronym, um, uh, WAIT, right? Like, why am I talking? And sometimes it's just important to just stay silent and let people talk themselves through their own their own challenges, their own questions and, and whatnot. But it's tough. Mm-hmm. Even for me, like as a, as a person who um, loves chatting with people and feels almost obligated to, to, to fill dead air, um, I've really struggled with, with that. But I, I've been trying to develop this skill where, you know, we just sit back and, and listen um, and let other people express what is on their mind. Unjudged, worst case scenario you know yeah i guilty pleasure alert but i've i really like watching the show this is us i know guilty pleasure <laughs> but one of the one of the couples in it they do this little thing when they're deciding on a decision a married couple and and something they they want to do or they're scared to do and they always just say okay let's worst case scenario this mm. thing what's the word and they talk talk to each other about what is the worst possible outcome of this decision and most of the time, the purpose of that is realizing that it's really not that bad. <laughs> so if you have a thing that you want to do or you're thinking about doing, that's what I do. What's the worst possible scenario that mm-hmm. could happen? Some of them are bad. Usually it's not not that bad. It's something that, you know, it's palatable. Yeah. If that does happen, I could live with that. So worst case scenario. Yeah. It reminds me of um, negative visualization or premeditatio malorum, where you basically think about all the negative things that could possibly happen. And automatically by doing that, you're removing the power that these events, that these things might have on you. And I remember Hmm. when we used to work at that Hmm. university and Andrew also lived nearby, you were at Eglinton, I was at, I'm still at Lawrence. Um, I would always, on my way to the subway, I would always think the subway is going to be full of cranks, egomaniacs, you know, people <laughs> really in a bad mood in the morning. I'm probably, it's probably going to be super packed. The train is going to be delayed. You know, I prepared myself on my way, on my walk to the subway station. And by the time I got on the train, right. everything went smoothly. I was like, oh, wow, that was surprisingly good. That was pleasant. And if everything went accordingly to, you know, Accordingly, according to what I had originally, you know, thought out, I'll be like, yeah, I was prepared for this. I knew this was going to happen. So it's kind of along the same way. Yeah. 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 You, you, you mentioned something once to me, Leo, you were talking to your children, I think. And uh, you mentioned, uh, 
you know, you have to be prepared that it might not work out, right? You have to be open to the fact that it might not work out. Like, as you said, Andrew, worst case scenario, like you have to be open to that and just be prepare yourself and, and come up with a plan for how you're going to respond in that situation. I think you were trying to return a product or something like that. But um, that really stuck with me. It really stuck. And not to have a negative mindset or, or to, to always think pessimistically about things, but just to, to put yourself in that position so that you, you don't lower give it power, like you said. Right? Lower your expectations. I think if you, if you lower your expectations, you're, you're kind of like reducing the amount of frustration that you might experience in the future. Um, when you apply for a job, you don't expect to get the job. You, like, what, what is within your control? I, I can do my, I can do, can do my best. I can prepare for the interview. I can be, I can ask lots of questions. I can be a good listener. But that's it. That's the only thing you can do. You have no control over the outcome of anything. And that kind of connects to what Andrew said: is people have lots of ideas. Yes, ideas first step. Execution is step number two. But when you're executing ideas, you also have to be prepared for you know failure which we've dealt with quite a lot in our um, endeavors with learn your english many many times right sure and in the classroom right and it's like you you might prepare this wonderful lesson and sometimes when you're on that kind of pre-lesson high where you're like oh this this lesson plan is going to be awesome and then it crashes and totally flops right and then afterwards you feel like you're the worst teacher ever right so um, I found like it's 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 helpful on that level too, right? Where you need to kind of mitigate your kind of expectations for how things are going to work out on a positive side as well, right? They, 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 as good as I think this lesson might be, there's a chance that it it probably could flop in one or two ways, and I'm going to be okay with that because I'm going to be open to changing it this way and that way. And I just yeah, I think it goes on. It, kind of operates on both sides there. Yeah. It's putting putting the power back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. looking not looking at a job interview like, oh, I don't control the outcome. What if they don't like me? What if you don't like them? Mm-hmm. Job interviews mm-hmm. are a two-way street, right? They offer you a job maybe and you accept it. Maybe. It's not you go in there and be vulnerable and just at you know, succumb to whatever possible thing that they can offer you. You have to like them too. They have to bring something to the table. Uh, they have to meet some criteria that you have for doing something. So, and going back again to the first question about self-doubt and teachers this and teachers that, and I think a lot of it, again, speaking for myself, stems from comparing myself to other people, comparing myself mm. to other teachers. Well, Mike's lesson was good. I can hear Mike's students having a good time through the wall. Why aren't my students laughing? It doesn't mean that my lesson is bad or what I'm doing is bad, but I can reflect if my lesson isn't going the way that I think it is, it has nothing to do with Mike's class. <laughs> yeah. What have what can I do to improve this the next time? And I think the more or the more that I've done that, you know, failure only hurts the first time for me at least. Once you do it again and again, you just kind of get used to it. And if you can see yourself improving and getting better at something, um, yeah. I think it was T.S. Eliot. I'm going to throw in all the quotes out today. He said, "Comparison is the thief of joy. If we're constantly yeah. comparing mm-hmm. ourselves to other people, we're never going to enjoy the thing that we're doing." And I can compare myself to myself, sure. But, yeah. uh, you know, even if my students are laughing and having a good time, that isn't, if that's the aim of my lesson is so that they, to tell a joke and have them laugh, well, then I've succeeded, right? But most times our aim of the lesson isn't going to be to have students laugh. So I think yeah. to stop comparing, to stop 
you know, putting only the power in the other people's hands, like in a job interview, to make decisions and to take action on things mm-hmm. that I really want to do and that I can control and I can improve yeah. on. And it's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. Basically, yeah. You're basically setting yourself a trap. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Mike, question three. Wow. Pressure's on. I, I've, I'm looking at my list of questions. I'm like, oh, that theme's been covered. That theme's been covered. Oh, that theme. So we're going to... We're gonna no questions point, left. We're going to... No, no, no. We're going to point to the future. So uh-huh. I'm going to... You know, classic indecisive Mike here. I'm going Love to, it. even though I said I'd like to give def- definitive advice, but uh, anyways, just contradict <laughs> I was myself. At Gemini characteristics here, and indecisiveness was one of them. Oh, there you go. There you go. I definitely have indecisive fever too, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, because I think one of the questions we've actually talked about in in previous iterations of this end of year type podcast, which is like, you know, what is a habit you you should start or like to start. I think mm-hmm. since we're talking a little bit more concretely um, today, um, what is one achievement that you would like to achieve before you die? Wow. Interesting. Jeez. It doesn't hey. have to be the only one, right? Like, not, I'm just saying, like, but what is one that kind of comes to mind? Wow. Ooh, baby. Mikey boy. When, I'm gonna oh, book sorry. A, I'm gonna yeah, book or, a dinner. Or what's a, a habit dinner. you should? What's a habit you should start? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna book a dinner with you. Do you have a you have a calendly or something, Mike? You're gonna book a dinner. Yeah. Or gonna... <laughs> An achievement before I die. Leo, please feel free to go first on that one. I'm I'm still thinking. I have way too many things on my on my list here. Okay. Just one. Just one. Is, it, is, it, is it cheating to say that the achievement that I want is to keep achieving new things it's kind of cheating but cheating but but what would be one new thing then andrew what would be one new thing and what working backwards from that what's something you could do tomorrow or or something you'd like to do in the next two weeks to kind of get you moving towards that achievement i have the answer okay i have my answer my answer is very simple is i would like to have worked three different careers by the time I'm 80. So I've spent 21 years in the classroom. I feel like now I'm going in a different direction with my career and I'm studying, I'm learning different things. I'm working with people that are not teachers, that are not in education. I'm learning a great deal from them. And I would like to do this for the next 20 years. And then by the time I'm 60, I would like to try something different. So it's so my achievement then, Mike, would not would be to maintain a growth mindset. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. I think that would be it for me. I like that. That would, that would probably serve you well in like other areas too, right? Because you'd be active. Mm-hmm. So your health would probably benefit from that. Your your mental health would probably benefit because you'd be um, feeling uh, rewarded yeah. and and not yeah andrew i got one i want to write a book you should write a book i want to write a book i don't know about what i don't know fiction or nonfiction, but i you guys know this about me if you're listening maybe you don't i love writing it's like my favorite thing favorite thing speaking not so much (laughs) writing uh is my favorite thing uh in the world and i love writing and i don't do enough of it so um i would like to write a book Wow, right. what what would it be about, Andrew? I know you're a horror fan. 
Actually, Seinfeld book, like a book about nothing. You know, I used to have a blog called a blog about something. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, maybe you know, I don't. I I I I do love. I don't. I don't. I don't think I love horror, but I love Stephen King. Mm. Um, I'm reading The Green Mile right now. I read The Stand right before that. I, I, Stephen King is my favorite author by far. Um, because I feel like his horror, the horror of his books or his writing, isn't the things that can never happen, like people floating around and all of that kind of stuff. The horror of his books are the things that do happen. You know, it's about human relationships, human dynamics, the fear of if you're a parent, your child dying and things that actually happen in real life. That's that's the horror and that's the the human element to his writing. And that's why I love love reading him because it makes me think about, about real life. So if I wrote a book, it would need to have that kind of component where it would be meaningful. I used to think, fiction didn't have that for me that i wouldn't learn something from fiction that i only read non-fiction books because you know they're about real things and you learn about it you know habit building and human nature and, and these kinds of things but i've learned that good fiction um has real life implications as well so i don't know i think a book that i would write would have a little bit of both i don't have a story in mind but i would like to write a book and I will buy that book. Oh, you get a free yes. copy, baby. Free signed oh, copy. Oh, wow. Signed copy. <laughs> that would be a top seller. It, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. But I wouldn't do it for, for that. I don't write books for the money. I, I've learned that too. So you don't do it for, for the process. Yeah. We don't do it. We don't do anything for likes or views, folks. Uh, we do it because we love it. Actually, Andrew, now that you mentioned Stephen King, I read a paper that he wrote a long time ago because I'm a huge horror movie fan. Mm. And, and fortunately or unfortunately, my daughter has followed in my footsteps. Okay. And now we watch horror movies together. Um, and she bought me a copy of it, actually, mm-hmm. which I have to read. Okay. But it looks daunting because it's like 1,200 pages. Did you know the It house from the movie is right down the street from where I live? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, yeah uh, that's right. It's in Toronto, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but basically, um, he wrote a paper a long time ago. I think it was like in the early 90s. I still have a copy of it. I can see if I can find it. But he basically said the title of the article is Why We Crave Horror. Mm. And he basically said, because you said that, like, oh, I don't know if I like horror, but I like Stephen King's and the way he, he writes and this and that. But he basically said, and I'll never forget this. He's like, he basically said that we are all mentally ill. <laughs> All of us, those of us outside the asylums only hide it a little better. Right. <laughs> and maybe not all that much better after all. So. Well, I don't, I mean, I'm, this is not my area of expertise, but I think people need an outlet, whatever the outlet is, right? His outlet is writing books about these things that he mm-hmm. wonders about. Other people make music and like whatever, right? But there needs to be an outlet somewhere. So writing is my outlet. Other people sing or whatever do podcasting <laughs> but yeah there needs there needs to be an outlet for sure funnily enough this is my opinion but my i think his favorite or his best book is the only nonfiction book that he wrote which is on writing which is about his writing process and how he kind of comes up with ideas and because that's like the classic question to fiction authors especially king who's written like i don't know hundreds of books or whatever it is how do you think of this stuff? And it's it's a really, really fascinating read of, of basically how he... I don't think I believe him 100% because he, he claims that he doesn't know the, how the book's going to end until he actually gets there. 
I don't think that can be true in all in all in all cases. But it's a really 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 interesting read. If you're interested in the writing process or about him, or just about how to write better, check out On Writing by Stephen King. Will do. All right. Maybe it would be one on 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 writing by Andrew Woodbury. Well, ah. I have to change the it? name. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would love to. Might have to. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have imposter Bil- syndrome about that. Building a writing habit because that's something that you want mm. to do. So maybe you can figure out a way to build a writing habit. Like I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I don't consider myself a writer, but I've been writing every day for five years now. My writing is different from your writing because my writing is mostly journaling. But it's something that, like I said, we've talked about this many, many times with James Clear and Atomic Habits. If you make a habit out of something, it just becomes part of your lifestyle. And I can't, I can't live my days. I can't go by my days without journaling. So maybe you could write a book about forming writing habits i guess i think that's an interesting idea i mean it's it applies to everything like when i go for a long time without writing something and then i sit down to write something it's really really difficult because i'm out of practice right if you play golf and you don't play golf for like a year and then you go to play golf it's it doesn't go well (laughs) it's really really hard right Mm -hmm. teaching the same thing but i think through doing it doesn't have to be every day per se but doing on a consistent exercise obviously same thing you do something consistently on a routine, you can see measured improvements, it gets easier. And then the the failure, maybe this is just me talking aloud, but the term failure doesn't apply anymore. Because I feel like, at least for me, I think about failure in something that I haven't done or I haven't done in a long time. So my brother invited me to go golfing this summer. I didn't golf at all last year because pandemic and whatever. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I love playing golf. <laughs> but I, I was like, not sure because I was like, oh, I'm going to suck. It's going to be so bad. But if you play golf every day and you have a bad round, you're like, well, I played well yesterday, so I can just come back tomorrow and keep going. And I know kind of what I did wrong. I can make those improvements. So I think for closing out this episode in the full circle, the key to self-doubt is having a habit and doing it every day. Because then the failure isn't this big billboard saying failure in your face. It's, oh, I wasn't as good today as I was yesterday, but I've, I've done this before. Yeah. So I know I can get back at it tomorrow and, and see that measurable improvement. It's the first attempt in learning, as they say, right? <laughs> right. Literally. <laughs> and I think, I don't know if it was Mike, I don't know, I don't remember who said the this, but, but there's something that I've, I've internalized, which is rejection is redirection. And every time I'm rejected or I reject myself, I just tell myself, you know what? This is just re- redirection. Maybe this wasn't meant for you. Maybe this is not the right thing for you. And I remember applying for a job recently and not getting the job and thinking, oh, man, I'm glad I actually didn't get that job because I didn't want it. I think that's an interesting exercise, too, Mm -hmm. in things that we were disappointed with at the moment or at the time, reflecting Mm -hmm. back and saying, what would have happened if that actually had turned out differently? Yeah. 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 Okay. So much for a, for a short episode, huh? So much. For a, a, I, li- I mean, I like, thanks for being vulnerable, guys. This is a very, no, is very great. good one. Thank you. If I can, uh, if we can end super full circle, Leo mentioned Nickelback off the top of the episode. I mentioned Stained. This was one of my questions. It's really, really short. And I think it's really, really controversial. So let's end on this kind of a lighter one. Um, what well-known or famous band 
shouldn't be famous or is overhyped? And this is a very controversial oh. question. Easy one for me. Easy? Easy. Radiohead. That's my answer too. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh my I was going to say Coldplay. Okay. I was going to say Coldplay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get their music. Radiohead? I, yeah, Radiohead's tough. I... What was I the, was the ready Benz. for you guys to the give Benz me shit a, about the that. The Benz was a good answer, but uh, or sorry, a good album. Mm. But maybe since then, even Paranoid Android, whatever the one after that yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, that, OK Computer is their big one. Like, okay, that's the one. OK yeah. Computer. Yeah, yeah. Like, I understand <laughs> the hype of Radiohead. Like, I understand the way that they concoct their music. OK, I get it. I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I'm, okay. this is contentious, I guess, but Leo, you agree with me, so that's fine. Mm. But I don't get it. I don't get Radiohead. It, they have this well earned reputation for writing music that is just depressing as hell. <laughs> There's you that know? too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not to say that it's bad music. Far from it. It's actually really well produced. That's what but I mean. Just, yeah. But it's just not the kind of thing you would play at a pool party, you know, like, oh, let's play some Radiohead now. Have some fun. No, nobody's gonna do that. Not since the late '90s when it was cool to be, uh, yeah, Medieval, sad and like depressed all the time. I mean, yeah. I have stronger feelings than that. I just yeah. don't like it. Like, I don't. I wouldn't say music is bad because huh. it's a question of taste and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's definitely not my taste, and I just, I don't like it. I used to. I've changed my opinion on Leo. Would be mad at if I still had this opinion, but I used to have the same opinion about Weezer, but I've changed my mind. Oh no, Weezer's good. Yeah. Catchy I went to music. See Weezer with yeah. Mike. Yeah, that was a great concert. Great yeah. memories. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. opened for them? It was Weezer. There was another ba- Pixies. Uh, the, the Pixies. Pixies. Yeah. Pixies. Yeah. Yes. Weezer and wow. Pixies. Yeah. It's quite it was the lineup. Good. Yeah. I feel bad about saying Coldplay. For me, I don't know. It's just they're yeah. It's just kind of lame. But I get it. I get it. People like that kind of light rock. You heard it here, folks. Michael Landry, quote, people like lame. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to go up on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well. It'll be the promo for the episode. I'll be singing Coldplay at work later today. (laughs) Viva la vida, baby. All right, boys. Uh, I guess that's a wrap. We got to go here. Yes. Yes. Thanks for listening. Thanks, folks. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening and catch us uh, in December for our year in review episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Ask us anything. If you have any other questions for us, uh, please do that on Instagram, I guess. We can do an Ask Me Anything for the group uh, when we post the episode uh, here shortly. So thanks for listening. been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.